Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. I'm your host, Steve Napolitan. This show is for C-level executives, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, and speakers who have found success, but they don't have the life that they want. On this weekly show, we're going to be talking about business skills to have more business while we design our ideal life and have more life, more business, more life without sacrifice. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the More Business, More Life podcast. And today my guest is Melissa Barrett, and we are going to talk about a whole bunch of different things, but mostly we're going to talk about how our differences are more similar than we think. And that when we actually see uh, folks getting angry about those differences or what's right or what's wrong, that actually just first and foremost shows that we care. And then now what do we do about it? And we talk about so many different things about how we can be more curious and how we can start looking at instead of what separates us, what unites us. And it's going to be the expiration and we're probably going to have to have more podcasts together, but uh, this is one uh, to go listen to and start seeing what differences we can make right now. So here we go. Well, welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm sure we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things. You know, being the host of the Jolly podcast, I guess I just wanted to start with that because I I love, uh, you know, the purpose of the Jolly and many people haven't heard that term. So maybe you could just share with us what what is the Jolly and yeah, let's, let's dive in there. Yeah. So Jolly or Jalike is a West African term meaning storyteller. Many people use the word Rio. My husband, uh, who I was married to for almost 25 years, called himself the Jolly. That was his name. He was a professional storyteller. And so one of the one of the reasons that the the Jolly podcast is called the Jolly podcast is because everybody has a story. And for anybody who wants to talk about diversity and inclusion, really diversity and inclusion is everywhere you go. It's in everything you do and every story that you hear there is some level of focus on diversity and inclusion. Um, and so to me, you can't be your best self without diversity and, and inclusion because that is what drives you to be a better person. Um, and so, you know, when, you know, I was growing up, you know, whether my dad was telling me that I needed to do something differently or better I couldn't be a better person if somebody didn't push me to be a better person. Cause I think you sit in that area of comfort. Um, and so when you start digging in and start asking people questions about their own life, their own reality, you find all these gems of gold and treasure when it comes to, you know, implementing diversity and inclusion in your life. Yeah. So in terms, so it's just almost broadening the term diversity and inclusion, you know, in a yeah. way. Because yeah. you're, you know, just saying like, how can we look at things differently from from every person, wherever they come from? Everyone's going to have a different view, a different perspective. That's why they even say with children growing up in the same house that the same mother and father grow up in the same house, and then if you actually ask them stories to account, each child would have a whole different story, almost like they grew up with different mother, a different father. <laughs> You know, yes. Because the perspective is so different, you know? Absolutely. And and I have one sister and absolutely we have different experiences. When she went off to college, I was in high school and it was like alternate realities for the both of us. <laughs> yeah. And then yet mom and dad are the same people. Exactly. Same people treated us the same, loving household, but we had totally different perspectives uh, during that period of time. So being being that, you know, and this is a big topic right now in 2020 is diversity and inclusion. And yet here we're talking about the same family, you and your sister having, you know, these, these differences. I guess, how do you see that parlaying into like our decisions now? Like, you know, when, when someone's thinking about diversity and inclusion in their life, yeah, I guess, you know, it's it's interesting. I just have to say this out loud. From what you just said right now, it's pretty much impossible to not have it in your life because it's automatically there with the people that we associate with. Well, and you know, it's interesting because I think in a lot of people's lives, 
it's not automatic and they have to be intentional. And I have a wonderful friend in my life who had, and I think early on, this person knew that they didn't have a very diverse network of people that they were around. They tend to be around people that looked like them, were similar to them, had similar beliefs. And, but their focus was to be very intentional about what they did, how they brought their kids up, who they allowed them to interact with. And they sought out opportunities to incorporate them into places that maybe they wouldn't normally have been in based on their circle of friends and network. So I think sometimes, you know, it may not always be automatic, but, you know, sometimes you have to go live a little bit outside of your comfort zone, go outside of your box, be okay with being uncomfortable because, you know, as I tell people, you know, a lot of times the people of color are the only people of color in the room. They maybe are used to being the only person of color in the room. But in some cases, you know, that can be reversed. And all of a sudden, it's kind of a different feeling. And it allows people to really understand what that's like. So, you know, I encourage people to, you know, kind of stretch, stretch their goals a little bit go outside of that. And I think sometimes it's, it's um, difficult to do, you know, and it hasn't always been easy for me. I think probably over the last, you know, three or four years, I have definitely been doing things way outside of my comfort zone. Right. But I will tell you, I am enjoying myself to no end. I mean, my life is completely different than it was four years ago. It's, it's so true, you know, and like, and thanks for putting that perspective there because from one moment we're talking about where, you know, we're growing up in a household with the same mom and dad. And then we, as children of those families, we can have a different experience. So, you know, there's where we could, you know, that word automatic that came out of my mouth comes from, you know, that position that you're in that family. It It's kind of automatic, but it doesn't have to be that way because even siblings can kind of not necessarily saying from a word, and maybe these words that are coming out of my mouth are extreme, but, you know, almost ignore, like they can play in their own space or, you know, as they get older, go into their own room and then maybe they drift over time. Maybe they come together, you know, from time to time. But ultimately, you know, what you're saying, especially as we become adults, we can be complacent inside of our, our own little bubble, so to speak, of what our life is. And, and I think you're right. That comfort zone is real. And I think it, it all comes back to like, you know, some of the books I read about psychology and the different things is that, you know, the brain itself takes up so much energy as what these are some things that I've learned. It takes up so much energy, it takes more blood, more oxygen, all these things. So the brain itself initiates autopilots. It like yeah. wants to shut things down to save energy, which is a good thing for the human experience because we, 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 we be tired. You know, sometimes when I'm really thinking, you feel tired, almost like you worked out and you're like, what the heck? Why am I so tired? I didn't work out, you know, but it, it is that the brain sucks a lot of energy. So then, you know, in a way we're kind of wired from that standpoint to, jo- you know, join into this, this, whatever we want to call normal. And, and I've had that experience that you're saying where I push myself outside my comfort zone, even to the point where I'm scared. But then on the other side, it's like, oh, what was I scared about? And, and seeing all these different cultures, that's why travel is so important for me. And I've made it a component of raising my children because I didn't get that growing up. You know, I went on my first commercial flight as a, as an adult, when I could buy my own ticket. So travel wasn't a component of my family. And you're right, you just get into that, your own little bubble. And so I can think what you're saying, you know, the moments I put myself into those uncomforts and been around a different culture, been in a different country, it, it forces these elements. And I do, like you just said, the last three years of your life, I know you've traveled more, you've done so many things and we'll get into that. I want to in a moment, but we, um, we, we, we change our, ourselves. So I guess I'm curious, like, have you found ways to encourage people to, to move outside that box? I mean, like, where does the discussion go from here to have 
the openness to be okay with getting outside your comfort zone, I guess, because that's kind of the step we all want to take more of. Yeah. And I think, you know, personally, I think one of the first steps that you can take is just give yourself permission to be curious. Ask questions, you know, instead of assuming something or coming with your yourself intact and saying, well, why do I need to ask that question? Because the way I believe is this way. And that's the answer. (laughs) Um, Because that answer may not be someone else's experience, right? So I think just being curious and what I have learned, um, you know, over the years is the more questions you ask, the more information you get to understand all of the commonalities that you have with other people. Um, You know, there's so many things that when you start talking about, you know, their immigration to uh, the United States or, you know, their genealogy or their background or, you know, how they were brought up or what high school they went to. There are so many elements. I mean, you talk to, I just talked to somebody the other day And they were talking about how they were from, uh, they were living in South Dakota at one time. And I was like, my parents actually um, met and married in South Dakota, oddly enough. And all of a sudden we were having this conversation about Aberdeen, South Dakota. (laughs) Wow. And, you know, it was kind of like, it was completely random, but you start to realize how connected really everybody is. It's so made like the older I get, the more I realize there's no coincidences, you know, and just how these discussions come, how, who would have thought that all of a sudden you're bumping into someone else that can have a discussion about South Dakota with you because that, that was, (laughs) that was that, that, that moment. And, you know, it really is, um, you know, it's interesting how we bring up this topic of asking questions and that's something that I, I'm really a huge fan of. And, you know, Two of my teachers, uh, Carl Bukite and Michelle Masters, who actually I was introduced from another mentor of mine, Jeffrey Slater, and all three of those people really taught me the power of questions. And, you know, like even just to think of it as a map, you know, uh, it's, it's rare that we look a physical map these days, but you know, when you remember the, on the, the key of the map, it would say like, Hey, this is the red line, or this is a dotted line, or this is the blue line, you know, like I might come to you and say, hey, Melissa, let's go on the red line. And you might have grown up think, uh, and, we're, and we're told and, and brought up that the red line is, is the bad line. Like, don't go on the red line. And then here I am like, let's go on the red line. I'm not, you know, matching up. And then we might see our differences. But, if, but if going back to your point, if we ask questions, you know, and I see your reaction, I could be like, oh, what's going on about the red line? You know, and another instance of this is like, you know, what, where this became very apparent when I was learning this is that, you know, someone might say, oh, he hurt me. And then if you, if you just presuppose because we're speaking, both speaking English that, oh, I know what hurt means. I don't, I don't know what it means by you. So like, oh, he hurt you. He hurt you. How would be a great question. And, and then going back to being curious And because then it'd be like, oh, they said these words or did they throw a brick at you? Like it's totally huge spectrum (laughs) just with that little word that we could all look up in the Webster dictionary and decide what it means. But what does it mean to you? Right. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. Because I think a lot of times we infuse our own thought process on somebody else when, you know, the way they may say things, the words they use maybe a little bit different, mean something different to them. And even when you talk about being hurt, well, I mean, like how deep was the hurt? You know, is it one of those trigger points when you talk about like social injustice or something and you see things on television that are just, you know, devastating? To me, there are trigger points when you you can literally go back in history and all of those terrible, painful memories come back to you, but yet the person you're talking to has no idea that they just triggered that event for you in your life. And so when you start talking about curiosity, you start actually peeling some of those layers back and you don't even know what's 
what's underneath that layer of skin, right? Yeah, and you have to be prepared and observant. I remember being in a meeting with a woman and uh, I, we're, I was trying to be objective about some structures and I used the word discipline and she like about jumped out of her chair and I could see if I use that word one more time, she's going to run out of the room. I'm not kidding. Like she was like, well, you know, like, and the her face changed color, everything. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm talking about structure and I just use the word structure instead of discipline and just by changing that one word. So obviously there's some kind of trauma with that word discipline. And, you know, so it's just sometimes those things accidentally happen, but, you know, the more observant that you can be about the language that we're using. And then back to your point, being curious, then we can find that we ultimately want the same thing. You know, I mean, it's okay. like, uh, I think it's, uh, is it the Maslow? uh higher like the 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 um the needs needs. yeah Uh right i mean ultimately that's we're coming back in this human experience Uh, but then there's all these layers that make you you and and me me but ultimately if you go deep enough you know we want to take care of our families we want to be loved we want to be needed you know like all of those exactly yes that's uh and that that just brings back that awareness. One thing that uh, was uh, big for me is uh, we were traveling and and uh, my son and my daughters and, and my wife, even more than me, like I enjoy the museums, but they'll want to read every plaque. Like, you know how there's different people that like walk through and I'm like, oh, that's nice. And I like look at the art or whatever's going on. But I have a family of readers, which I didn't grow up that way. I read uh, a lot now, but so we're going through and my son is reading this whole thing. And there's this huge lesson about genetics and and uh, um, that the 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 actual makeup, the chromosomes, I think, and I'm and I might even be saying this is not exact, but it's ninety nine point nine something of what the human experience is, and it's like point you know one something difference between you and me. It's like so small, and then it's like one point uh, more difference between us and a chimpanzee. So the the genetic makeup is so close. It's a point something difference between the, what makes you look like you, Melissa, and what makes me look like me. And this human experience is so much the same. And that word belonging that you brought up is so big. The whole human experience is, is wanting to belong. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. You want to feel accepted and you know, like you're, you're enough, right? right? You're adequate. Does belonging, I, it just popped in my head. I know this might be a wild question, but does belonging also create division? Because I think, you know, when you think about it, you know, you belong to this group and then they don't. Does that division create its own belonging in a weird way? Like, because ultimately, you know, I feel like I'm having this human experience and I love having different. I love, you know, like this year I got to, before everything got shut down, I got to go to Africa. I've spent time in Europe, been Australia, New Zealand, South America, you know, like I, now I've, I've traveled. There's so much more for me to see and I love it. And I love getting to know more people for me, but I can see other people, like you talk about that comfort zone and then even others saying, I don't belong there. You know, I guess what, what, where does the conversation go from there? So, you know? Yeah. So I think, you know, it's an interesting question because I think uh, a lot of times, and I remember there, there's a book, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I want to say it's something like, why are all the black kids in the cafeteria sitting together or something like that? Okay. And a lot of times when you hear people talk about diversity and inclusion, one of the things that they will talk about is, well, that just separates people. And do I have to actually count the numbers of everybody and who they are and whether they wear glasses or not or whatever? And I think what we're really talking about is creating a culture of inclusion that, you know, and I'm not just one thing. So, you know, me personally, yes, I'm African-American, My mother is from Panama. So, you know, I have always identified as Hispanic or Latin, Latinx, whatever you want to call it. She emigrated to the United States when she was 12. So, you know, to me, there's already an intersectionality as I think through the diaspora 
you know, coming from the continent of Africa through South America, Central America, there is all these opportunities for us to think about who we are, um, what our environment is, what my skills and abilities are, what my beliefs are. Um, there are so many ways that I can belong to some group or, you know, a physical component of my life, right? So yeah. just because I'm African-American and I'm part of maybe an African-American group doesn't mean that I can't be over here in the Hispanic group or be over here because I like to cook or, you know, whatever. So it's like, we're not just one thing, right? but so belonging just allows us to have some level of commonality to begin a conversation of that. Right. And so maybe we enjoy doing things together. If you're in a walking group or, you know, a, if you're in a book club or whatever, it gives you a basis to start the conversation, right? Because you like something that's the same. It's like a starting point. It, it, you know, and, and it's so broad, you know, like you can say from Africa to Panama, you know, and then I just look even at my family, I'm mostly Italian, but we come from different parts of Italy and even they didn't associate with each other. Right. You know, so like I'm part Calabrese, my last name Napolitano means Napolitano, one from Naples. And then I also have Sicilian part of my family. And I remember my great grandparents like teasing each other. And I, I don't, you know, I, I would say teasing. I don't know if they really meant it or not, but there was division. I remember my Calabrese great-grandfather used to tell me as a little boy to like go say other cuss words in Italian. And he basically used to tell me to go tell my Sicilian grandfather to go to Naples, which actually for them going to Naples was like going to hell. It was like a term like go to hell, but it was go to Naples. So it's actually insulting my father's side of the family. And then saying you and half of Sicily go to Naples, basically like he used to have this saying like that. And it's so crazy how there we are. Like now we look at that on the map and we're like, oh, those people are all together. But then even them, they're not like, you know, you have all these villages and tribes and right. all of these. I'm light colored. I'm dark skinned. I'm, you know, I mean, there's all these factions we can create um, and proliferate and perpetuate, really. Um, And so it really comes down to us being more curious about each other and really connecting with each other instead of just, you know, making assumptions about somebody. Right. Because, yeah, then how many more similarities and then bringing it, you know, to that analogy, like how similar are all those Italians? They're a hell of a lot more similar than, than others, but then it's no different, you know, like, uh, then, than others, like I'm spending time in the Amazon and then going into parts of the jungle of New Zealand and, and being with, uh, some of the tribes in the Amazon and then being with, uh, the Maori tribe in, in New Zealand, you know, I, there were different plants, but then they were talking about the plants the same way. And I'm like, oh, that was just like being in the Amazon, but it's a different plant. It goes back to that curiosity in those words. That plant is, is maybe a different name and maybe it is a different plant, but it has the same purpose for them or the same meaning. And, and if you just look at the root of it, it all goes back to that, you know, but you have to look past the layers. Right. And that's, absolutely. Um, that is what's so, so so important. Yeah. And I think when we talk about the human experience, I mean, would you want to leave this world not having experienced so many other things that you could experience? I think, and you know, I think there's a study out there that says that most people never live, I think more than like 25 miles outside of their, of where they were born or something like that. And what percentage of that was that? It was a high percentage. Wow. Say like 80% of people. No or way. Like that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you think about, you know, they may go outside of that. And, you know, now we have people that are much more mobile than they used to be. But, you know, at the end of the day, there is so much to life and life is so short that if we, you know, I think, yes, life can be good, but it's almost like you don't know what you're missing until you start exploring outside of that area that you come from. Right. 
and even falling more in love with what you do have. Like just yesterday, our local power company turned our power off because of the high winds yes. for like a whole day. So we had the generator for the fridge. And then when the power came on, I told my kids, look at how grateful we can be now that we could just flip a switch and turn on a light. You know, it's like <laughs> the things just from 24 hours, just having that absence. And then also it can allow you to fall in love with new things because also we had a great night by candlelight all sitting in the living room and no electronics because everyone was saving power, you know, because we knew we were going to, you know, so it just, there was so many things to be grateful for on both sides, the, the new, the difference, and also the things that we wanted to be back the same. And I think if you, like your, your topic, what you just brought up is like exploring. How do you know if you don't explore? How do you know what you might like that's different? And then also you might find out you don't like it, but that experience then says, oh, I don't like that type of food or this type of thing. Or, you know what, that weather was too hot or that weather's too cold. You know, it's, I've been, uh, it's interesting that to this, to that, I've been thinking about that Goldilocks story. So, (laughs) so much lately. I don't know why I must have to go read that story again, but it's that whole thing. Like how would you know that whole, that story is all about trying, right? Like, you're not saying, oh, that doesn't look like anything like what I'm used to. So I'm not going to try at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, we just have to explore sometimes. And, you know, that's how you also find out what you don't like. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times we do that with our children. They say they're interested in playing baseball. So we sign them up for baseball and then they either like it or maybe they don't or, you know, they want to quit and you don't want to let them or, you know, whatever. But it's like, it's that trying, those are the things we want to expose ourselves to. And I think when we become adults, sometimes we forget about that because we're so focused on, you know, someone else or, you know, kind of the job or the career or something else. I find that often. That's an interesting um, segue. That's also very important is that that is so true. We forget about learning as adults. I mean, really, because you think about a child, you know, they go to learn to walk and then they fall down. You know, they don't say, oh, forget that. Let's just keep crawling. I know how to crawl. I might as well crawl the rest of my life. Right. Like, you know, we, 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 we we forget about that. Learning how to ride a bike. Uh, We're willing to, to do things not well to give it a try and then get better and better. And then as adults, we forget how, you know, especially when you become a professional or an expert in something, and then you go to try something new and you're not good at it yet, yet, keyword right, yet. Right. And then you're like, oh, I must not be able to do that. And then you just stick with what is the same, going back to what you're saying, that high percentage of sameness, then, um, then, you know, where, how do you, how do you invoke that that trying, you know, so that you remember, Hey, wait a minute. No, this is a learning moment. It took me many years to learn what I already know. Why would I not give myself time? Yeah. Well, and and it, even going further than that, even in business, sometimes we forget that the failures are often the best way that we learn. Right. So when we talk about things like failing fast, the whole point is to try to learn from it, make a pivot, do something different. Yeah. And then, you know, ultimately become successful at it because of the pathway you took to get there. So, I mean, we learn from so many different angles. It's not just, you know, sitting in a classroom, but really kind of broadening our experiences to understand that everything we do in life is, you know, a lesson that we can learn or, you know, some story we can tell or or pick up. So. So let's pause real quick and take a break and we'll be right back. I just want to give a big shout out to Pro Audio Voices. They help me with all of my podcasts and Becky and her team are just amazing. I've known them for years, even before I started my podcast. And that's why she was my go-to because not only does she help me sound great and produces the podcast so it's easy for me, I can do what I do best. I do the speaking and the interviewing and then they do all that background work to help get the podcast out there in the right way with the highest quality. But on top of that, what makes it most critical to me, for those of you that know me, wow clients are important, wow relationships are important. And working with Becky and her team is definitely wow. I get an amazing experience. I get to work with amazing people. 
a lot of love and hugs. Let's put it that way. So if you want to work with great people and you want to get a podcast out and you want to let go of all the technology and the way that it's recorded so you can do what you do best, then you definitely want to get a hold of Pro Audio Voices. And it's ProAudioVoices.com and you'll be able to reach Becky and her team and be able to let go of all that stuff so you can do what you do best and then delegate the rest. It's, it's, it's big. Like all these things are big topics. Like, you know, we've, we've had like three or four little conversations right now in the beginning of this podcast and each one of those, we can make like a whole podcast about what's intriguing to me, you know, being that this is the more business, more life podcast and how this parlays into having more business and more life at the same time. And that's why this is important to me because, you know, a lot of people ask me, are you a life coach or a business coach? And I say, well, when do you die when you go to work? This is all life, right? I mean, this yeah. is part of our life, what we're doing, what we're experiencing, you know, and when it comes to the word diversity inclusion and, for, and working, you know, my time with all the corporations that I've dealt with, and I know you've been in corporate America many, many years now, you know, I find that, and it still does to this day, it's gotten a little bit better, but we're talking a, mi- a micro amount is this diversity inclusion becomes like this numbers thing, like quotas. And and the, and what I love about you, Melissa, is how much you, when we first started talking about this in more depth, it's like, I want to make a social impact, not just hit some corporate number. And, you know, I think, um, you know, I wanted to parlay into that, you know, like how, how do we, you know, start to, uh, to think, think differently. Cause I think you have these companies that are like, okay, great. Let's just open to be more diverse. And then that's that. And okay, we did our part, but then, um, the reality is we haven't brought, I guess the word for me would be like cohesion or some sort of, you know, ability to start opening up that belonging so that we don't just say, Oh, we, bo- we work at these same, the same company, but we're over here and you're over there. And there's still like a, a lack of inclusion. A barrier. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, you know, it's an interesting topic as you bring up, because I think in a lot of ways, trying to understand what all those barriers are is probably the most significant. I had a conversation with Monique Nelson, who's the CEO of uh, Uniworld Group, you know, uh, the other day. And one of the things she was talking about is you know, you, you end up with, you know, people that are, you know, working, right. And they're, you know, usually coming in, they may be kind of starting out early in their career. And then you have the CEO at the top who is saying, Hey, you know, we need to drive diversity and inclusion down into the company and make sure that we're pulling in everybody we need to pull in. And then there kind of sits this frozen middle where you're trying to figure out how do you get the people that are new to the company, you know, really kind of coming up into the company into senior executive roles. And you need the middle management because, you know, that's how you're getting things done. Right. But the problem is there's all these barriers in the way that you 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 can't necessarily see if you're sitting in at the CEO or the executive table, right? And so a lot of times you know, when we start talking about representation, we're talking about how are we actually looking for those people to come into our organization? First of all, are we even looking in the right places? Because just because you put something, you know, I mean, nowadays you don't even use the newspaper, but you know, if you used to put something in the newspaper, who's reading that specific newspaper, Right, right. you know, and how are we, how are we, looking for those individuals. And then once they get here, how are they being treated? And what is their experience like versus somebody else's experience? And I think sometimes we get afraid to really dig into that detail. I mean, we live in a litigious society, so everybody's nervous about information flow. Right. But if we really had some of the conversations, you start to realize, you know, that in some cases, maybe there is a higher level of scrutiny or not uh, between one particular audience or another. There are managers that maybe are not good managers and it's impacting things in a particular way. And how do you deal with that situation, you know, sooner rather than later? 
And so I think a lot of times when we start talking about, you know, belonging and creating that cohesion, one of the reasons that like employee resource groups are so interesting is because while they start off maybe focused on a particular audience, what they tend to do is actually then work together. So folks that might be leading the Latinx employee resource group and the African or Black uh, employee resource group, they actually work together, get together. They understand and have similar passions in terms of what they want to do for the company. And so while they may seem separate at one point, they actually are working together to ensure that you do have a cohesive, cohesive environment. And so, you know, to your point before of, you know, is that separating people, maybe initially you start to, you know, just kind of create the commonality, but then you realize that the environment is much bigger because you have more things in common with other people that are doing similar things, even if they have a different you know, ethnicity, nationality, whatever. It's so yeah. it, it's a way of being able to come together and 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 let people know it's okay. And we're here. We want to, you know, support you in your career. And, you know, it's not just about your manager. It's about a group of networks that you can tap into to get information that you might not get right. if, you know, you didn't have those friendships and relationships. This might be like a wild outside, but I think it'll come back into this conversation because, you know, it's so interesting how you're saying, how do we find people? How do we bring those in and how do we find that differentiation? Well, yet, you know, serving the thing that I find is like, um, so I heard this story recently about this garbage company in Ireland and they had this one employee that was a fighter. So like as a hobby, they were in mixed martial arts and they were fighting and um and then that was so they were working out and then when the the guy won they were interviewing him they're like how did you get in such great shape and um you know then he uh he said well i would do this workout and that workout and also i work for the garbage company and i run all the bins so i'm running all day i get paid to run so i'm running all day and you know if you've been in parts of europe they have to like run up the alleys like uh bef- uh just the- earlier this year the beginning of the year when we still could travel i was in barcelona and you know like the rubbish truck will come up and then, you know, a couple of guys will run up the alley and grab all the bins and run back because the truck physically can't go down some of these alleys like in Europe. But, you know, back to the whole story is this, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, like think about it. And I was having a conversation with someone they're like, you know, not everyone can be passionate about their job, you know? And I was like, well, you know, I, I want to argue against that because I want to say, you know, like, yeah, you can. And then it was like, you know, the comment came up about, you know, like, well, what you think everyone that works in garbage likes working in garbage. And then I just heard this story this week and I was like, oh my gosh. So then what this company did is they went and started advertising at gyms and saying, Hey, do you want to get paid while you're working out? Hey, you could run, collect bins, get paid and you could work out. And then they use this one fighter that just won that fight as like their, their, like, uh, you know, their, their spokesperson. So it's just so interesting. And I think you know, representation. That's how you expand who, you know, make sure you're talking to the people that you want to come work for you. Right. Right. And it could be anybody, right? Like who's working out at the gym. It could be like any different color or whatever, but they could have a unification of all wanting to be in shape so that, you know what I mean? So it's other things than our skin color or where we came from, you know, that we can actually bring people together that actually want to do the same thing, you know, whether it's science or, you know, if, they, if it's research and development, I mean, you know, just like if you go into, you know, as I've traveled, you go to different places, everyone has their desires around different modalities, back, you know, things. And it, it doesn't matter, you know, where you grew up, you could have those same similar passions, but then with a different perspective, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think to your question about, you know, the connection for social impact, it's like, you know, once you once you start looking in those places, it's like being able to translate your good work at, you know, say a particular company and then connecting with those partnerships for people who are working in the community at nonprofits or, you know, and they're doing the work to make sure that, you know, underrepresented, you know, maybe marginalized communities have the services that they need. 
And so it's, you know, you can have both, you know, you talk about more business and more life to me when you're, when you're managing your business, if you have the opportunity and certainly an obligation in some cases in your own community to really provide opportunities for a better life, I mean, like, why wouldn't you be doing that? Right. Right. And then that goes back to the whole thing. There's a fundamental thing. If you take care of the people that work uh, for your business and with you, then they're going to take care of your customers. And then if you take care of them, then you're going to have a problem. I mean, it's just taking care of people. It's the human aspect. And, and I think that's one thing that bugs me about when you get too big as a corporation, I might be like, you know, calling some folks out, but the, the reality is like, I see when, uh, you know, I think when you, cause I, I'm a, fan of business. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. And, you know, like from what I study, if you look at like before the industrial revolution, 85% of people were entrepreneurial. And so I don't think that like business is bad. I think, but when you get so big that you remove yourself from the human aspect. And so I guess the thing that I'm not a fan of is when our, our fiduciary right is to the investors and that's it. And then that sacrifices the planet and the people. That's when, that's when the line gets broke for me. That's like, okay, now, you just now you just ruined it. <laughs> like it's like it's, it's because this is a human thing. Like why are you know my kids ask me like you know what is business? They've asked me before when they were younger, and I said it's how are you going to help someone if you make a product or service? How are you going to help that other people? The, the other people that that you're working with, and that has been a fundamental thing for me. And then you know you think that's everyone, and then you start meeting people. You're like whoa, like. You know, it, I think that's the thing, and everything you're talking about is bringing back that that human aspect of you know what it, that's where the social impact comes. Are we actually taking into account human lives? What and what matters is life. Yeah, not what job you have. You know, and that and that identifier. I was talking to a generation expert, like you know, looking at the different generations, and you know, it used to be like. Uh, if you look at like, I don't know, you know, like the pre-baby boomers, it was like the company you work for, you identified. So if people asked you like what you did, you'd say, oh, I work for this company. You wouldn't even say your job position. And then as it went into the baby boomers, then it would be like, oh, I'm uh, I'm a scientist. I'm this, I'm an engineer. Then it would be about that. And then, and then that kind of goes into Gen X, like there's some overlap there. But then as you move to the younger ones, they don't even identify by title of job position anymore. Like the, you know, the Gen Y and the, the what they call globals, I think now they, they're identifying uh, in different ways. I don't even know how to explain it yet. It's not really like, you know, out there that much, but it, but it's not, but it is true. They're not identifying by any one job position. Going back to something I think we said earlier in this conversation, you're not one thing, right? You know, exactly. you're, we're not like we have all these different things. So why would I just be, you're not just an engineer, you know, like it's uh, even for me, like now I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of coaching consulting, but you know, I went to film school. I started as an artist. Then I got into marketing. Then I, people started asking me to speak. And then I started saying, Oh wow, I could teach people. And I got intrigued by that. I also dabble on the piano and I play the native American flute. And I also like to be athletic. Right. And I love, uh, you know, relaxing in the fort, going on hikes. I mean, like there's so many things it goes on and on and on. There you go. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're the, exactly. When we start talking about intersectionality, you are lots of things. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. And then letting that, welcoming that and noticing it and celebrating it, right? Celebrating. I mean, I mean that's the thing. Well, you know, I think the com companies sometimes get that wrong because they keep, they're focused so much on the profitability that sometimes they don't, take a, a real look at their employees and say, you know, like, what is it that we could be doing to attract more people to work here? And what is, because there are a lot of people that are very passionate about what they do, where they work. Um, and I think the younger generations are just asking for more. Right. So it's not just about what you do at work. It's about what how is the company thinking responsibly about the planet we live on and how are they contributing to kind of the bigger environmental things, um, you know, sustainability and, you know, all of those things, which, you know, if you think back, like when I was growing up, we were just barely talking about recycling. 
You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and so now it's it's a much bigger thought process about, you know, we could be way more impactful than we are about our own carbon footprint and, and all of those things. And so I think as a company, you know, the CEO needs to be thinking much more broadly about not only the services and solutions for the clients that they're delivering to, but what is that company as an entity doing for the planet, right? And, you know, to me, that's when you start talking about branding and legacy and, you know, marketing. It's like when you can really start connecting your business to what you're bringing to the world, then you're really talking about, you know, something that is not only diverse because it connects to all sorts of different people, but being able to include everyone in your thought process about the requirements of the solutions that you're bringing. And that's really the point, you know? It makes a big difference. I, I, what's popping in my head is that saying, people will work for money, but they'll die for a cause or recognition, right? Yeah. It's, and, and that's what people want, you know? Um, they want to know that what they're doing is meaningful. You know, it's... Uh, no longer to purpose, just right, yeah, exactly. And then, life, not- I mean, ideally, life has a purpose. I mean, we're you know, I think you know, people wonder, like, why am I here? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, um, but I think everybody has their own thought process about the legacy that they want to leave, you know, and it's uh. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And the thing that come, also is coming to mind is that Rumi uh, poem, the one that says, uh, it's a line in there. It's a, one of his shorter poems, but it says, uh, you know, beyond wrong and right, there's a garden. Meet, meet me there. You know, like, and it's saying like, move beyond this. Because when I look at the whole thing and this comes into p- perspective, when you start th- thinking about the 99%, you know, and this still, these topics are coming up. It's like, okay. of the population has this wealth, right? And then 99% don't have it. And then it becomes this blame game. And I'm not saying it's, uh, again, I'm not saying it's wrong or right. And actually, if you look at it, that is true. A small population of of the world has a lot of the wealth and then a large part of the population does not. Now, and, and this is a zero sum game that is this thing that's in our mind, which I don't believe. I think that we're in this abundant world. And then, you know, going back to the social cause, you know, we could say, and there are people in both of these parties, there are people that have money and think, if I don't hold on to it, if I don't build walls around it, then I'm going to lose it. And then you have people over on the other side that are saying, oh my gosh, if they just didn't have it, then I could have it. And in both those instances, what I've noticed in my own life, and I'm still learning, I'm a learning man, and, and this whole conversation just brings up all this curiosity. But when you look at it, when I blame, I lose my energy, you know, right? Like if, uh, if this caused yeah. my experience, I would be happy if it wasn't for them. I would be this if it wasn't for that. And, you know, then all of a sudden I notice I lose my power. If I actually say, well, what can I do about that? And it's not a hard, I mean, it's not an easy question. It becomes hard because we grow up. So let's say you grow up in that neighborhood and you and I've talked about this. I've met people that think they never could be wealthy and that it becomes a mindset, you know, and, and then you could be on the other side and grow up wealthy and then even think someone else won't be wealthy or that you'll never be poor. That's all a mindset. And so I think, you know, what in order, the component that we also need to talk about. So yes, finding ways to open our eyes to diversity, looking at where we can, you know, uh, bring people together and, and going back to our thing, what cause can we lift everyone up and, and have this purpose, this living with purpose. But then on the other side, we also have to go back to the systemic pattern that's been happening for hundreds of years. And we probably could put a comma on there because if you go, it's, you know, there's, there's thousands of years that this is happening. And it's, and so, you know, let's all be real that if it's been thousands of years, you know, we can't expect to snap our finger and have it be different. And so there is, there's work to be done. And I guess what I'm proposing or saying out loud and what my curiosity is goes like, you know, let's all work to lift ourselves up so that if you do grow up in that neighborhood, then how can we all start to lift each other up? And how can we go in there and say, hey, you can have this too. Like, let's just 
start talking about differently. Let's bring more education. Let's, let's, let's do it. And I think on both sides, there's a responsibility because you got people again that are saying, I better hoard all this. And you got people that I can never have this. And really both of them can be those walls or illusions that can start to come down if we choose. And, and again, there's work to be done, right? It's yeah, just for sure. It actually uh, reminds me of, I think Harriet Tubman has a quote that says, obviously she was focused on the Underground Railroad and she was talking about how, you know, I could have saved more slaves if they had known they were slaves. And so you talk about the mindset of people. And I think in a lot of cases, you know, people maybe thought they were being treated okay by maybe their slave masters. So maybe it wasn't so bad. Um, but to be able to rebel and really kind of take your life in your, I mean, at any point you could have been killed along the way to, you know, create a better life for yourself and your, your children or, you know, your family, it is a mindset. And sometimes, you know, I think we think that there's this, it is a zero sum game and I have to keep this part, but it's amazing how abundant this life can be. And so, you know, instead of focusing on what you can take away or hoard over here, you start to realize the, you know, if you're talking about business and all the different components of spend that are available and the new generation that's coming in and what their thought process is on how, what they want to buy, they're making specific decisions about what they want to buy based on what that company is doing. They are absolutely asking for more than, you know, previous generations have been asking, which is great, right? It pushes us and it pushes companies to go outside of their comfort zone. So, you know, we think about the experience and yet the company is just like us, you know, it's like, what are we asking our company to do that is outside of its comfort zone? Um, so that it can service more people, solve more problems, whatever we're trying to accomplish. You know, it's just one of those areas where you can do a lot more, you know, when your mindset is there and you start thinking about how you bring those, you know, specific principles into your life or, you know, the pillars that you may sit on from a leadership perspective in your company. It's, um, Wow, this could get really deep. And then we're like, uh, we're going to have to have like a part two of this podcast because that is huge. Like, I don't know if I've ever heard that saying, um, you know, I would have say, been able to save more slaves if they would have known that they were slaves. That's like, that's like the Matrix, right? Like not, you know, the movie, The Matrix. It's like, you know, you know, taking that pill to open your eyes to what we're living in, you know, and I've, you know, I've often said, this is like the biggest volunteer slavery that we've been in right now, right? Like in a, in a, in a way, because yeah, it's like not, you know, people aren't owned, but then are we like, sometimes you feel owned by debt or other things. And then, you know, and that can get into a whole bunch of deep topics because I was just watching the, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw, they made the super size me too. Like uh, the, um, oh, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And more, uh, Morgan, um, uh, Spurlock, he made that uh, second one. And you know, the chicken farmers are forced into debt by some of these big chicken companies and they can't get out. And they, they're like, they have them on camera and they're like, you know, crying. They're like, they've, they've uh, basically been pulled in. And some, it was really sad. Some of these family farms are like fourth generation farms and they, um, they no longer own their farm. They've got it so hawked into debt and they can't get out of the, the system without losing their farm. And then they're like, I thought my kid was going to get what I got passed down to me. And they, they have to either eject because basically someone else owns them now owns them. Wow. Wow. But that's just one instance. This happens many times. What is freedom? I guess, you know, it comes to a big question and when, you know, what are we, what are we doing? And I, and I think that's what we were talking about. The younger 
uh, generations, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. So, you know, that you have uh, watching and watching my kids, they're like you said, and I'm glad, I'm so glad that we're all asking for more and saying, you know what? No, it's not okay just to make a buck. And what are we making the buck for? I mean, ultimately dollars were made to make trade easier, right? Like, so you didn't have to carry uh, uh, three cows with you to go get some, you know, trade for something else, right? But it, ultimately, we're just trying to sustain our life and um, and eat good food and eat good food with good people. And, you know, so I, I think uh, this goes back to, to the roots. So I, I think we just have a lot of questions. If I were to take something away, because we're going to have to wrap up here soon. But I think, you know, there's so many more questions I have for you and for others. But ultimately, like looking at the spectrum of what we just talked about, I think if we can end on, you know, for, for today and a curiosity, like opening the door of what, what do we want? And then what is that pathway uh, to get there? And that can be like, you just said, a company is kind of like an identity. That's what we always talk about in branding, right? Like what is the identity of the company? The same as our own personal identity. What are we choosing to stand for, to be a part of, and, uh, and how are we going to allow people in our lives, um, you know, treat one another. Right. Right? And our clients and our, you know, I mean, there's, it's like everybody's looking to a particular company to either solve a problem, provide a service, you know, whatever they're doing, but there are also people that want to work there. They want to be impactful. They have a passion for the business. I mean, there's, so many different angles. And when we start bringing in diverse views and thoughts, all of a sudden, you know, you're starting to work on world peace or, you know, something that maybe you think is never achievable, but you realize it's a long-term goal. And if you don't start working on it now, you know, maybe 50 years from now, you know, your company made a difference or you as a as a person made a difference because of what you did for that company. Right. right. So, I mean, it's amazing to see all the people and the stories that are being told about folks that maybe you never heard about, you know, I think about hidden figures all the time, those women working at NASA. Oh my gosh. You know, it's like, I never heard that story when I was growing up and yet I'm so thankful that my kids get to see it and hear it and understand how impactful you can be, you know, as you're starting out in your own career. It's, uh, it's so, it's so amazing. And I'm, and I'm thinking as we conclude, you know, and I, and that's where it's telling more stories and getting more curious and looking at where we can go. And I think I, I, I know we're a little, possibly going to be a little bit over time, but I want to ask you one last question and I want to open it by saying something else. You know, I've noticed a lot of people, getting upset that that folks are getting upset you know and i and you look at it the more that i've you know studied psychology when someone's angry you know folk people take offense to that right or or you know then now they put their guard up because now it's like almost attack mode but the reality what i've found is if somebody is upset and there are there are, there are reasons to be upset right now then that means you care Because think about it, when you don't get upset, you don't care, you know? So if you really look at it, when someone's yelling at you, the best thing you should say is thank you. And then they're usually, they'll get more mad at you. And I've done this a couple of times, like, what do you mean? Thank you. I'm really mad. And I like, I just see that. And if you, if you were not mad, I wouldn't, I would not notice how much you care about this, right? You care about this a lot. That's why you're upset. And they're like, yeah, better bet I am, you know? And I'm like, I know I can see how much you care. It's very evident how much you care. And, you know, then when you do that, then they actually calm down. So I'm like, I really am actually being genuine. Thank you for caring so much. Now let's talk about what you care about. And then we can actually simmer it down and actually talk about what you care about. And then going back to the beginning of this conversation, we can end up finding out that we really care about the same thing, right? We just want wellness for our family. We want to be able to like sustain ourselves, have good things in our life and you know what, but so if everyone, I'm just going to say a message and then I, and I'm going to ask the last question. I, you know, for me, when someone's upset, if everyone could just take a breath and realize that that person cares, then you can start to have a conversation. 
you know? And I guess that's my final question for you today, Melissa, and we'll definitely have to have another conversation. It's like, what? Uh, I don't know. That made me like emotional right now too. Like just notice that people care. But I guess I'm curious for you, if you were to give one step for someone, if, if this is the only time they, they heard you and, and they took one thing away, what would that one thing be that you'd want people to start to think about? Wow, that's deep. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I just have to go back to, I think if we start with ourselves, knowing that we are enough, but we can always learn, and being open to, to learning. And the only way we get there is by being able to be more inclusive and to have those conversations and to be okay with not knowing. You know, I think sometimes it takes us a while to get to our authentic self. And when somebody asks you a question and you don't have the answer and just, you know, that's not my experience. And I think a lot of times we just have to learn how to talk to each other. You know, I mean, there's a lot of division going on. But if we just take a step back and say, you know, and I use the analogy all the time that sometimes other people's minds work differently than mine. And I always use the analogy, you know, I am go- we're going to the same destination but I'm on Highway 580 and somebody else is on Highway 880. We're getting to the same place. We can go, but we're doing it at different ways, right? And so sometimes we may do things differently or have a different experience. I may see something different along the way on my path and and it creates a different experience for me. But the destination we want is probably the same. We all want to have that same, you know, the the life that we want, whatever that is. And so just being able to, to, you know, to your point, take a deep breath. I don't think most people, I'll say most people, they want the same things. But sometimes we forget that we are so similar to each other that, but we focus on all these differences. And so what we, what we tended to do before is we could actually sit down, have a conversation and the diversity of that thought would create yet a third opportunity. It's not your way or my way. It's a different opportunity that we've created that has so much more synergy an opportunity than we would have thought. And I think right now we're so stuck on your way and my way, we can't get to the synergy to actually raise the level of offering that we're looking for in whatever that solution is. It's uh, so, so true. No, it's so it's so true. And we often want to think about wrong or right. And my way is right and your way is wrong. When in fact, they're just different. You know, and it doesn't mean wrong or right. Uh, and, and, you know, just thinking you just brought up the freeways, like whether someone's taking Highway 880 or 580 or wherever you are in the world, whatever road, there's always another road, right? Typically, or you can make a new road. Like, I mean, there's so many ways exactly. to get anywhere. And who's to say it's wrong or right when ultimately it's that goes back to that, that roomy poem. Uh, if you, you know, let's go beyond wrong or right. And there's a garden there, meet, meet me there. And that's ultimately what we're doing. And I often say in my workshops, uh, I, I do this one exercise and I say, it's time to stop seeing our differences and start seeing, you know, stop seeing what uh, separates us and start seeing what unites us. And that's a choice by what you, what you choose to look at, you know, um, it's, uh, you know, as a, a closing thing, um, I forget his name, the guy that uh, wrote the uh, five love languages, you know, that there was a couple that were one, they were going to get divorced and they kept both saying what was wrong with their partner. And then he said, okay, before you got, before you get divorced, you know, okay, let's just say this is going to be over. It's not working out for either of you. I want you both to take whatever period of time, I forget what it was and go write a hundred things that you actually 
like or love about the other person. And then when they came back to the next thing, they're like, oh, I forgot how much I love you. And they like, and it, and it actually worked because they were focusing on what was different instead of actually what was the same. And I think it all, it just comes back to perspective and asking the right questions. So, you know, just, this has been an amazing exploration. I wish we could continue on, which we probably, we can. I mean, obviously we get choice, right? So you and I can hop on another, hop on another podcast on another day. Yeah. It's, uh, it's beautiful, but yeah, I think be curious, take that deep breath, start asking questions and notice uh, others for what they're passionate about. And even if that shows up with anger, then you know that they care. And uh, reminder, reminder, that's that's the truth. So Absolutely. thank you so much for taking the time today, Melissa, and starting this exploration. And I look forward to having more conversations with you. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to the More Business, More Life podcast. I hope you got value. And if you did, we have so many more things for you at stevenopleton.com. You'll be able to connect with us on social media. We are active. You can ask us questions. And then on top of that, I want to give you a really big gift. And it truly is. We want to give so much value. We have an offering. It's a program called Clear Path to Customers. It's the same way that we attract wow clients and only working with the right people, the people we want to. And it's transformed my business into millions more in revenue with the right people and my clients. And we're doing it absolutely free. So you can go to stevenopleton.com and grab that. You just got to put in your information. We'll send it to you promptly. And that again is on stevenopleton.com. I look forward to having you on the next show. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.